0: Welcome to Kitchen Table Conversations, a series of short and shareable conversation starters for those of us who have or love and support people with a complicated and beautiful brain. Here's your host, Angela Geddes. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today, especially today with so much going on this time of the year. It's hard for me to believe that we're already towards the end of December and preparing for this holiday season. And I think many of us understand that the holiday season brings about many different feels. Some of us just can't wait for it to come, and other people, this can be a really, really difficult time. There are many people that we know that are experiencing or have experienced significant loss over the last year, and holidays such as these big ones can be really, really difficult for people who are experiencing significant changes in their lives for the first time. So, Again, I think we're all pretty mindful of that. I think on my social media feed, there's lots of uh, friendly reminders, at least on my feeds, around how to be you know, really compassionate towards people and to reevaluate some of our expectations for ourselves in particular, and then for other people, because we just don't know what's going on inside both the homes and the hearts of um, the people that are around us. So this will be our last kitchen table conversation for the year 2022. And even that brings about some interesting feels for me. The years go by very quickly, but I always look forward to the new year and all the opportunities that can present to themselves. So, but I, but I also understand that that's not the case for everyone. So again, we have to be mindful of that. This weekend, I spent a lot of time with my family around a kitchen table, and it was really interesting how we were all um, more willing, it seemed, to be vulnerable and to be able to discuss things that were challenging for us, um, particularly around the the holiday season. So I, in particular, spoke about um, when my family separated years ago and how I just, you know, the thoughts of not having Christmas morning with my whole family together just would bring me to my knees, you know, and then how we had to relearn that Christmas or holidays or special days sometimes need to be different, but that doesn't mean that our values around family and quality time and inclusivity and openness and sharing and having peaceful moments and doing all those family things that we like to do. That doesn't mean that we can't do them, it just means that we have to do them differently. So we spoke about that around our kitchen table and it was really interesting to see how even though our situations were really quite different in many cases, you know, our goals for ourselves and our hopes for our families there's just such a commonality there Um, and that it was interesting to really focus in on the amount of pressure that we put on ourselves in order to do it right. And I think that that's what this, um, this conversation is going to circle around today. And it's, you know, there are no right or wrong. And sometimes we have to be really better able to listen to our own guts and our own understanding of what our families need. On that note, I think most of you know that I'm particularly interested in supporting um, individuals and families who are experiencing more complex mental health and maybe learning or sensory difficulties or concentration challenges, and and often that uh, manifests into behaviors that are sometimes puzzling. But the tips and strategies that I'm going to talk about today around the holidays and around social gatherings for all of us, These, these tips and strategies are kind of inclusive of everyone and will be, will be helpful for everyone no matter what your, um, what your situation is. But I do think that it's important to really share this information with our families and friends as well because, you know, sometimes when people don't show up or show up late for, for family functions or they have to leave early or they're not really as present as what we're thinking they should be, we sometimes have judgments and sometimes we, we also think about you know, we kind of take some of these things personally. So for the most part, I think it's it's kind of a good strategy to sort of leave our biases or our expectations kind of at the door. But children, youth, and adults with complicated presentations have often have brains that are wired very differently. And the disabilities or, you know, the difficulties are often hidden behind beautiful faces with kind and loving souls that make some of these puzzling and problematic behaviors even more difficult to understand. So people with complicated presentations need us to be non-judgmental. They need family members to accept them for who they are and do their best to protect them from awkward situations or for making, you know, kind of poor decisions or being overstimulated and, and just having things to go, having things go kind of sideways. But they, they also need to feel like they're being valued and they need to feel dignified. So, family and friends and loved ones can be really helpful if they encourage our children, youth, and adults. In a kind way without demanding that they respond the way they should or the way they're supposed to at family dinner times, for example. And I think I really, you know, I, ch- I encourage everyone to really challenge some of the rules that we have in our own heads and whether or not the context has changed and whether or not those rules are still relevant. So I really, you know, I don't understand why we all have to sit around the kitchen table if it always ends badly. You know, I'm I'm I think that it's really important to value kitchen tables and obviously I call this this podcast kitchen table conversations there's a lot of value in being together. But we can do that differently sometimes in order to make the together as peaceful and as pleasant as it possibly can. So that maybe that kitchen table means that we divide it up and we have the kids eat first and eat quickly and then the, you know, we put a movie in or we put some games together and the kids are playing, you know, beside the adults while they're eating. A little bit quieter and separately. That, you know, that might work for some, it might not work for others, and that's okay. But the goal here is not to have some sort of standard that we all have to live up to, it's around listening to what the needs are within our particular group and so common needs for all people and especially those for who are experiencing some complicated mental health or you know behavioral difficulties they you know we all need someone who believes in us and we all need unconditional love and acceptance and we need patience and we need calm supportive redirection and we need curiosity and creativity and sometimes we need assistance with emotional regulation so if somebody is presenting with a little bit more stress and and having um, you know an obvious difficult time, and we may see it as you know what are they doing here, throwing a wet blanket on our Christmas dinner. You know what's up with them, but instead you know that that response of being frustrated with them only adds fuel to the fire. But sometimes we just need compassion and say you know is there anything I can do to help, or hey why don't you come over here for a minute? I just have a question for you, or I need your help with something. You know to divert their attention and then just you know quietly and respectfully do a check in and make sure that we can help with emotional regulation not instead of adding to it so you know and and we also have to understand that some people look like they're unwilling to do things but maybe they just can't at that particular time so we have to listen carefully and acknowledge some of the frustration and we need to realize that sometimes people's Perception or even memory or recall of a certain situation might be different than ours. And sometimes people don't like jokes or don't understand some of the sarcasm or the teasing that goes on in, in large family gatherings. So we need to be respectful of that as well. And so, and there are some times where people just, you know, can't stay as long because they are overstimulated. And so they may need to avoid certain things, and that it's not necessarily that they're disinterested or lacking love and consideration and a desire to be together, but instead there's a need to protect individuals from that overstimulation and from difficult situations that they know are most likely going to end badly. So sometimes that means people just don't attend or they attend short for shorter amounts of time. Um, sometimes they do need to avoid large crowds and maybe, you know, their holiday season involves individual visits rather than the whole big gathering. So we have to respect that parents and caregivers have a right to make these decisions and they're not just being overprotective or they're not coddling or they're not disinterested in all of these family traditions that have been going on for years and years. So it's, it's parents and caregivers job to protect their loved ones. And, and that's what they're, what they're doing. So we need to be respectful of that. So for more information, feel free to go to my website because I do have some tips and strategies and some information sheets for what family and friends may need to understand. And sometimes it's helpful. Some of the families that I work with find these tip sheets helpful to present to the people that they, um, that they're visiting, you know, at, uh, holiday time or just any time in general, actually, these things can be really, really helpful. So again, it's my hope that everyone's holiday season goes as well as it possibly can. And as we look forward to the new year, I think it's so important for everyone to have something Mm. really important to do, for everyone to have something or somebody to love, and also for people to have... Um, something to really hope for so I think in that spirit I am really looking forward to the new year because I'm seeing tremendous opportunities to continue to build system capacity and to help um, build you know individual skills and and skills for service providers to be better equipped to screen and identify complicated mental health and learning difficulties and and That sometimes is complex neurodevelopmental disorders, and certainly to help raise awareness and understanding of the effects of prenatal alcohol exposure and fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Very, very pleased to receive an article just the other day from a friend and a colleague, Dr. Louise Scott. Um, This article is called Social Work and Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, and it was written by Tricia Hall, Dr. Patricia Day-Jackson, and Dr. Jonathan Scher. Um, And this article speaks directly to the integral role of social workers in terms of our ability to screen and assess individuals with complicated and puzzling presentations that are often related to prenatal alcohol exposure. This particular article was written by folks over in Scotland and uh, speaks to the issues that they are seeing over in the UK. But as I've often said, FASD and the effects of prenatal alcohol exposure are global issues. So we are speaking the same language in so many ways. And I'm just so pleased to see this this need for social work, uh, education and training being highlighted. And you know, it, it's so, so timely because we're just about to embark on some social work training specifically to increase skills in the ability of screening and identifying and assessing within our social works, um, scope of practice and then making sure that we contribute to multidisciplinary team assessments and ultimately for um, a complete diagnosis because we do understand that diagnostic clarity is so pivotal in terms of ha- helping people really understand what their areas of strength are and what their areas of difficulties are. But we also know that assessment services are simply out of reach for so many and that it, as we wait for assessment services and, and um, you know admission to diagnostic clinics, we as social workers can play a significant role in getting you know, in short-circuiting some of these incorrect assumptions and wrong conclusions around people and, you know, recognizing that just because they have a diagnosis of ADHD doesn't mean they don't have other things that are going on. And when we do understand that things are more complex than what we have assumed over these years, then we can really meet people where they're at and reduce the likelihood of secondary complications and, you know, more adverse outcomes. This article speaks to the fact that, you know, many of the difficulties that people with FASD experience are not inevitable. Instead, they, they are likely Consequences that result from people not really being understood and when their neurodiversity is not acknowledged or acted on in the support services or the practice that uh, we are offering. So depression, anxiety disorder, self-harm and suicidal ideation and action are dispropor- disproportionately common among individuals with FASD and this contributes to marginalizing them. So, presently, this article goes on to explain that the research literature focuses primarily on the difficulties and the deficits experienced by people with FASD. However, I've been saying this so often that these same individuals can and often do have tremendous strengths and positive attributes that should be recognized and built upon within our social work practice. So, once again, I'm just so excited to read this article and and recognize that we are speaking the same language. These are Um, These are global issues and um, the effects of prenatal alcohol exposure and FASD are indiscriminate. Um, Again, with the prevalence rates as high as they they are and with the fact that 80% of women within childbearing years consume alcohol in today's culture and with so many pregnancies over 50% being unplanned, there is a good chance that there are, you know, there's alcohol exposure for a lot of our pregnancies. So again, social workers can play such an important role in terms of prevention as well, as can these simple kitchen table conversations, because again, this is where we learn. This is where we um, share really important, loving, meaningful information. So I encourage you to um to continue this conversation within your own homes and within your own um, kitchen tables. So once again, I wish you all the best for this holiday season, whatever this looks like for you and your family or your social circle. Don't forget to check out my website for more details on some of the topics that we discover or we discuss today including the tip sheet, including the information around the need for social workers to become more FASD informed. There's an article that's going to be linked to it and then also a link to the social work training itself. I think there's also going to be a link to mocktails so that we can again be reminded of offering non-alcoholic options if we do happen to host any or attend any celebrations over this holiday season. And uh, yeah, so once again, if you like what you're hearing, please feel free to share, please feel free to keep these conversations going and reach out to me directly with some topics that you'd like to be covered. So in, right in this moment, I would like to say from my family to yours, from my home to yours, I wish you all the very best for this season and into 2023. Thanks very much for tuning in, Angela.